0: Good people, this is Decolonized Buffalo Podcast. Okay, we're here again with Carl, and today we're going to talk about Chinese cinema. So, Carl, do you want to go, go, start off?
1: Sure. I mean, you I have invited me to talk about something that's close to my heart. I mean, where <laughs> I think it's safe to to say that both of us grew up, you know, loving the martial arts movies. Yeah. Um, for myself, um, my first, uh, my first martial arts movie is actually a Jet Li movie, the Shaolin Temple movie, made in 1980s. It was the first, it was the first Hong Kong mainland co-production because this is right after the cultural revolution. China started opening up again and it was inviting overseas talent to do co-ops. And as we, we know, like the, you know, Hong Kong is like the Mecca, right? Of the, of the martial arts movies. Uh, most Western audience would know uh, about Bruce Lee, but Hong Kong has been producing martial arts movies like decades before. And and whereas in mainland China, uh, you know, due to Cultural Revolution, there's a kind of a stoppage, a complete stop of making any kind of martial arts uh, epic um, until 1980. And and so when they And Jet Li, back then, he was, uh, I think he was 19, he was the all-China wusu champion, which means, uh, wusu literally means martial arts in Chinese. So he's a martial arts champion of China. And he was picked to star in this uh, mainland uh, Hong Kong co-production, Shaolin Temple, about the origin story of the Shaolin Temple. I mean, like, I think... Before the movie came out, uh, I mean, Shaolin obviously is famous, but uh, I don't think he had the kind of recognition he did. At least on mainland China. And like like for me as a little kid back in 1980, that was my first time. I was maybe like four or five years old. And uh, that was my first time, my first exposure to the name Shaolin Temple. And I remember when the movie came out, there were a lot of kids actually were running away from home. They were, they're taking trains to run to the to the actual Shaolin temple, hoping to be accepted as a disciple to <laughs> learn martial arts. <laughs> that was the thing.
0: That's funny.
1: Yeah. 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 And, uh, I, I mean, like I, 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 I mean, that just shows kind of the, kind of the appeal of, of that movie. And, you know, and Jet Li himself, he, even though he was a, uh, Nineteen-year-old uh, trained martial artist. You know, he wasn't an actor at all, but he is very charismatic. And in that movie, he showed—he really showed. I mean, that's his uh, debut kung fu movie, uh, and also because he's a trained martial artist, you know, all the moves he did was more convincing, right? So, um, uh, I, I highly—I for people who are like into old. Um, Chinese martial arts movies I would recommend I would recommend uh, Shaolin Temple from 1982 uh, that's uh, that's a film that made Jet Li a star um, all across China and and they use like um, you know you they because it's a co-production between Hong Kong and, and, and mainly China they you know, they had all the expertise from, you know, Hong Kong cinema, all these uh, cinema photographers, all these stuntmen, all these, uh, you know, directors who know how to take shots of the, the fighting sequence. That's really important. And, um, like, what, let's see, what else? And then later in the 80s, um, that's when, uh, you know, more, there's more relaxation, more products, cultural products coming over, across the border from Hong Kong. And that's when I started to watch Bruce Lee movies. So, so Je- I know Jet Lee before I know Bruce Lee. <laughs> that's <laughs> you know, wild. Like, um, yeah. Go ahead.
0: No, that's, that's pretty cool. I, you know, that experience. No, go ahead.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because uh, it's only after I, I we saw, because after Shaolin Temple was shown on mainland China, then there's an explosion of uh, like, uh, like a whole series of Shaolin Temple movies and, and a lot of uh, clones and copycats and, and, and like the kind of martial arts themed uh, TV dramas, movie just proliferated. Uh, and uh, and a lot of imported Hong Kong um, uh, TV cinemas are getting dubbed over into Standard Mandarin and, uh, and be broadcasted over like cables. Um, I lived in Chongqing University campus at the time. The university itself has its own, like, kind of the closed, uh, the, the campus university-only cable system. Uh, so they will get uh, these uh, Hong Kong tapes, and they will play them. Uh, it was great. <laughs> it was great. Uh, and so that's where when I learned about, uh, I started watching Jackie Chan movies and Bruce Lee movies uh uh it it was a blast Uh, but but there's is i i think there's some specific movies you wanted to talk about right
0: yeah i have some movies i want to talk about um i guess i'll before i'll start i guess i will share a little bit about how i i guess i got started watching kung fu movies or chinese movies you know so um like i said like everybody that hears this podcast especially especially our series um that's uh, my ch- my stepdad's Chinese. So growing up, he would take me to a Chinese movie theater somewhere in, in Los Angeles. I forgot where, you know. And they played like Chinese movies. And it was weird because like it was it was in Chinese, and the subtitles were in Chinese too. So <laughs> I <didn't> <laughs> understand. <laughs> I didn't understand anything, right? But it was the the coolest things because it was like some dude putting a piece of paper on some dude's forehead and that dude couldn't move, right? And I was like, what's going on? Or some dude's like doing some like touch movements on some dude's body and he like would freeze and some other dude would come here and he would like undo it by doing some touch movements and I was like, I don't know what's going on but this shit's fucking cool. (laughs) And I was just like a little kid. So
2: (laughs) I remember
1: when... um when like the the kind of martial arts movie went main, mainstream in US, like in the, the Crouching Tiger, uh, Hidden Dragon, hit big in US market. <laughs> I had a white coworker uh, from from Michigan. She was uh, asking me, she's just so she watched after watching Crouching Tiger and Hidden Dragon, just like what Chinese people. So like these Chinese uh, Chinese people believe in like. Uh, they could fly or something and like so i have to kind of have to explain to her as a person who are not exposed to the martial arts movies that this is kind of equivalent of uh of of u.s superhero movies right yeah these these are for for the chinese audience these these martial artists in the movie they are equivalent of the, the the chinese superheroes they they possess superhero strength but except the conception, the, the big biggest difference is that the uh in the you know in the martial Marvel comics uh, universe, the the superpowers normally get conferred you know by some accident or or uh you know by some special uh, events that happen that that just happened to a person and the person suddenly became strong and powerful. Whereas in the Chinese martial arts universe, you gain that power by hard work, right? You you're yeah. like it's this is this is emphasized from like the very beginning. They, they, It's always, you gotta, you gotta work hard. You gotta practice hard. You gotta practice these techniques. One day you will also become like the masters, right? I think that's the biggest, the biggest difference between like the Chinese martial arts movies and American superheroes. And, uh, and, and that kind of, kind of also draws into the, you know, the, <laughs> I remember, um, uh, uh, it, it kind of it kind of works with the the the, the kind of the ethos <laughs> in China at the time cuz your parents will always tell you you know you got study hard <laughs> you got to study hard and you, you turn on the TV and watch the watch the martial arts drama and you have the sifu telling the student you got to study hard <laughs>
0: <You gotta laughs> that's study true hard. very true yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, but you know,
1: sorry I think the, the movies uh, theaters that you went to in LA is probably in Monterey Park. Yeah, just maybe like the suburb of Los Angeles that that's known as uh, to us the uh, Chinese diaspora as, as the motherland. <laughs> <That's> a, <laughs> a, there's a big uh, big congregation of uh, of Chinese immigrant community in San Gabriel, San Gabriel Valley. You know, in San Gabriel, Mount Mountview Park, that whole area. I I used to drive, uh, forty min, forty five minutes from uh, from Huntington Beach to Mountview Park just to get Chinese food. That that area has the best Chinese. Food.
0: Yeah,
1: he has
0: it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you, know, I, I grew up with. Um, I think one one one. I have so many different movies I grew up with, <laughs> but you were talking about Jackie Chan earlier, and I think I grew up with his early stuff, like the. The Drunken Master, I think it's called. I'm not sure, right? And but also like the one that really a, hit me. Drunken
1: Master is a classic. Yeah. Oh my god, it was <laughs> a, such a beautiful movie. And and, and, the, and the drunk and the, the Drunken Master too. Oh my god, that's and it's it's beautiful and hilarious. I highly recommend. For anybody who has Drunken Master, go watch Drunken Master.
0: Yes, I agree. I think it's on Netflix right now. I think it's one of those streaming services. I saw it. Um, I was like, "Oh, it's pretty cool that it's on there." I told the to show my kids, you know, these movies I used to watch as a kid, and then they're like, "This is so old." I'm like, "Please watch." <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, old-y yeah,
1: yeah, it's oldie but goodie. Yeah, it's it's classic.
0: But I think the first like, time, like, I think oh, go go ahead.
1: First, first Drunken Master movie, um, by Jackie Chan, was uh, was back in 1978, which is super old. So I, I, I mean, that that was. But the, uh, the Drunken Master 2, the sequel that was made uh, almost like 20 years later in 1994, that is is that is just amazing. I mean, everybody should. Like, I think I consider Drunken Master 2 are like one of the top Jackie Chan movies of all time.
0: Really? That's pretty cool. Really? Yeah. yeah. So uh, I think w- w- the one that. um. The crossovers, kind of like Americanized, was like Rumble Rumble in the Bronx, right? Yeah. I love that movie. Yes. Yeah, but yeah, but you know, okay. So let me get to my list because before, we're gonna just keep ranting about movies, you know, randomly. <laughs> but uh, <It's> okay, <laughs> <it's> okay. <laughs> so um, there's something that clicked in me when I was a kid. You know, I, you know you know having my stepdad teach me about Chinese history, you know, and and um, his views he you know it was kind of like with movies and one movie that stuck with me was and you know i guess we could talk about this movie first was fist of fury 1972 with bruce lee and the reason i say that is because the the colonization of chinese by japanese you know in that movie is very powerful you know you i watched that even as a native person i watched that movie and i'm like it pumps me up right and that that yeah. scene when you know, he, he has to sign and it says sick man of Asia and then he makes those two Japanese fighters eat that paper and he t- he tells them, we're not sick man of Asia. And, you know, it's like the most powerful fucking, like, scene. You know, and it's just like, that scene is beautiful for me. But can you talk about that, that movie? In that historical yeah, that aspect?
1: Was, that was beautiful. I mean, like, um, maybe, because maybe we should do this, uh because because this is uh this is like set against uh, the, the background of Japanese invasion of China and uh, but, but maybe we, we should we could um could talk about more a recent movie, a uh, Jet uh, by Jet Li, yeah. called Fearless. Yeah because chronologically, even though Fearless is much more recent movie by Jet Li, but in real um in real life in real life there was actually a, a martial artist who in who was a master in, in Fearless, portrayed by Jet Li, and and um, and and Fist of Fury is kind of a sequel to that story because uh, Jet Li, I mean um, Bruce Lee's character Chen Zhen in Fist of Fury is supposed to be a student of Huo Yuan right? Um, so so for people who you know people people who are well versed in the Chinese uh, film universe will kind of understand the connotation. Cry- cry- but maybe I, I would just go, go first. Jump to a more recent movie, uh, the Jet Li's uh, "Fearless." So, "Fearless" is based on a real life story of a Chinese martial arts uh, uh, a master named Huo Yuanjia. And Hu was born uh, at the time when Huo uh, uh, Yuanjia was born at the time when, when China has been brutalized by by both foreign powers left and right uh he was actually he, when he w- and, and like my my uh, I now I was going back to my early childhood stories again uh, Hong Kong made a TV drama for mm-hmm. Y back in 1980s and that's what I watched when I grew up and uh, it was a really powerful opening song of Ho Yuanjia, TV drama. It's uh the song goes like, um, you know, w- w- the we have been we the, the 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 Eastern Lions has been sleeping for hundreds of years, and then he, he cut the cutscene goes to like the opium den and the man smoking opium, and then he talks about you know like we we are we are we are polite. Uh, we're polite and civilized people but people but other but the foreigners taking a sign of weakness <laughs> right and, and basically this whole song is like no more no no more of that shit and um, and uh, uh, I, I, I'm going to find a song clip for that uh, maybe you can use it for the intro because it's yeah. also, it's a really powerful song um, and, and and the so himself is a legend he he grew up actually. Um, he, he he grew up actually quite weak and sickly, because he um, he had a chronicle. He had asthma at an early age, and he a contracted jaundice, which will plague him um, all throughout his life. Uh, so, but he, he he was born into a martial arts family, and but because he's uh, he's born sickly and frail, um, his dad didn't let him learn martial arts they, they, they forbidden uh, forbidden him from learn martial arts because they felt he's unsuited and then um, but then there's one time uh, uh, he, he so he um, so he actually secretly learned martial arts against his dad's wishes he will he will secretly um, um, he, he will secretly watch his dad's students, practice uh, and he made friends with uh with his uh at martial arts schools tutor and 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 he will he would learn at night so eventually one day there there's another uh martial artist from a different province they came to visit their family for a friendly bout for a friendly match to fight uh, a older brother and and they uh they the, the 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 visiting martial artist defeated Huo older brother. Then Huo Yuanjia himself jumped in. He fought the his brother's opponent and defeated him. And, and so that's when the whole family was like, "Wow, he, he can fight!" And he's actually you know everybody assumed before he was just a sickly child. And now um now the his dad officially agreed to take him on as a student. Pass on like the family legacy of, of their own brand of martial arts. And then uh, he, like at that time, most of the Chinese martial artists, they, uh, they find work as uh, gar- caravan arts, right? Because back then there was still, it goes to the, uh, the the old days of Silk Road when, you know, the caravan bands uh, going through the Gobi Desert to places like Mongolia and Xinjiang uh, are at risk, uh, of attack from bandits, right? So they, the different caravan masters they will hire the bodyguards from different martial arts schools. Uh, so that's actually what Ho Yunjia did when he was growing up. But then in 1902, so this is two years after uh, boxer rebellion when you know eight nations, United States, UK, uh, uh, Germany, France, uh, Italy, Russia, Japan, um, Austria, Hungary, the eight nations all attacked China and sacked the Forbidden City. Right? That's, that, that happened in 1900. Um, and then China had to pay a huge amount of indemnities to each of these nations, including the United States. And then um, just two years, so two years later, there was a Russian wrestler who came to Ho Yuanjia's hometown of Tianjin, so Tianjin is a poor city just just outside of Beijing. You know, all the all the all the uh, sea all the sea traffic, all the supplies that come to Beijing go through Tianjin, right? So there's a and and at that time as a result of Boxer Rebellion, foreigners gained a lot of privilege in China. They they um, there is they opened up so-called treaty ports and Tianjin is one of the treaty ports. So in the treaty ports, the foreigners can, can settle, run their business, but without, um, without obeying the Chinese law. So the foreigners will be governed by the laws of their own nation, right? But, but, so, so there will be like Russian settlement, uh, American settlement, French settlement in, in the different cities of China where they, the, the foreigners are not subject to Chinese law at all. And in 1902, there was a Russian wrestler in Tianjin because Tianjin has the international settlements. So he issued, um, uh, he he was promoting his own like uh, kind of own show. So he put a he put out a sign says uh, he he was calling Ch- Chinese the sick men of Asia. Right, this is a very sore point. Uh, you know, this is right two years after Boxer Rebellion. I have a question. Yeah, go ahead.
0: Was that the first time it was used, that slur, or is that, you know, it's been used before, before that time?
1: I think that that term has been used uh, around that time already, like in, you know, like right after Box, especially right after Boxer Rebellion. Uh, it's Because before there was a time, the, the, the term, there was a popularized term um you know, I think in, in, in English language, you know, Turkey, the Ottoman Empire used to be called the sick man of, of Europe. Right? That, that's a more popular term. And then um, people kind of adopt that and then turn around and call China sick man of Asia. Right. And uh, and that, that that became true around the, especially around around the Boxer Rebellion period, uh, either before or right after. And, that that really hit a sore spot because, you know, China at the time was being brutalized by all these imperialist powers. and, and But this Russian wrestler was using it as a kind of prom- promo gimmick, right? He, he was challenging any Chinese uh, martial artist to, to fight him, and, and he called the Chinese Sigmund of Asia. Um, and then... And then, uh, Ho Yunjia was, uh, you know, people contacted Ho because he's most famous local artist. So he ch- he then challenged the Russian wrestler to a to a duel to a match. Um, but then at that point, <laughs> the Russian the Russian wrestler actually forfeited. He, he's like, oh, uh, sorry, <laughs> this is what je- I'm just trying to uh, I'm just trying to promote myself. You know, this is I'm just trying to make a living. This is uh, because because he the Russian wrestler actually took out a newspaper ad, right? So it was not it was not just him, he was going around the street calling Chinese segment of Asia. He published in a, in a newspaper calling the Chinese segment of Asia, right? as a, as a promotion gimmick. And, and when Huo Yuanjia stood up to the challenge, the Russian backed down, he said like, oh, sorry. <laughs> I'm, I'm just trying to make a living, you know, this is a, oh, a pro, promotional gimmick, don't take it too serious. Uh, so that's when Huo Yuanjia started gaining his fame for standing up to the Chinese, for standing up for the Chinese. And then, um, then Huo Yuanjia, then, then there was an Irish wrestler boxer called Hercules Bryan, who has been uh, issuing similar challenges in Shanghai. And so people from Shanghai then contacted Huo Yuenjia because they heard, heard about what happened with the Russian wrestler in, in Tianjin. So between 1900 19- Oh, oh, nine and nineteen ten. Ho actually traveled to Shanghai to uh to fight Hercule O'Brien, and then you know uh, they 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 had a lot of uh argue, but the, but both sides have a lot of uh dispute on how what kind of rules should uh you know like whether you should follow the boxing rules or you know the Chinese martial arts rules. So you, eventually they agree. Okay, it's uh we'll just. Whoever whoever scores knockout would win, and then then they fought. Uh, O'Brien fought Ho and then lost. Then Ho became a, like a national hero. You know, his name was in the, all in the newspapers, and he became um, and 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 uh, and he became like well known, right? Because and this is especially set against this. Uh, this historical background, when when China was in, been been uh, invaded and brutalized, and, and you have all these foreigners come to the Chinese soil and insulting the Chinese people. Uh, so so after his win in Shanghai, Huo Yuanjia founded um founded a martial arts school, the Jingwu uh Jingwu Physical Training Center, and and he's uh he, so at this time Huo Yuanjia actually was a uh, very close friend with uh, the Chinese revolutionary Sun Yat-sen and, and Sun jiao Jiaoren, so they they um. But Hu Yenjia himself, he still suffered from physical illness, from from jaundice and uh, tuberculosis. Terbucleus- you know, he has TB, and so he started to see a Japanese uh, physician for treatment. Now, the, the the Japanese physician also happened to be. Uh, Associated with, um, with the Japanese Judo Judo Association in Shanghai, because as I was saying, after Boxer Rebellion, all powers, all these foreign powers gained um, concessions in, in, in China. So Japanese has own concession in Shanghai, where only the Japanese laws apply, and uh, the Japanese can come and go. So so the Japanese Judo Association heard about Ho Yuanzhang, then invited him to a competition competition and, uh, and 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 then then the Ho student uh, actually fought with uh, with the judo practitioner um and and there was a and, and apparently there was a dispute on who won the match and then uh, <laughs> and then and then there was a it, it blow and they became a big bra free fall between two sides. Uh, and, and some of the members of the judo team were injured. So this is like the background history of Ho Yanjia, like the real uh, real history of Ho Yuanjia. died very soon after. He died in 1910 at age of 42.
0: You have a question about that.
1: Yeah, go ahead.
0: Because like um, in the movie, it it shows that he was poisoned during the match, but I read somewhere that, that Japanese dude that... Um he fought was the one that poisoned him during a, like a tea meeting right ever you know so like there's different accounts about how he got poisoned um so do you, you want to talk about that
1: yeah yeah so this is so you know, I, i'm talking i'm gonna talk about the real history so so one of the students um who later became a historian uh Gongzi, uh he believed that the Yuanjia, um so he, he 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 wrote that Huiyuan because jia was um, after Yuen-jia was introduced to a Japanese physician. Um, the 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 physician physician uh, prescribed some medicine for his condition, but 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 that didn't improve. But Yuen-jia's health continued to deteriorate, and after that, Yunjia was admitted to the to the Shanghai Red Cross Hospital where he died two weeks later. So. The ten, um, the the his student ten didn't mention that whether the medicine was poison or has arsenic or not. But at that time, there are a lot of uh Ho other students who had started to speculate that Ho was poison, so there was always a rumor. Uh, um, but but I mean, it could be possible that Yuanjia's uh, physical condition was just just uh at the time was just like beyond the help of medicine, we, we don't know, but. Uh, uh, but, but, the but we, we do know that, uh, we, we do know that was treated by, by the, a Japanese physician who was associated with, the um, Japanese judo association. And there was a big fight between the two martial arts schools. And so, so probably that's why a lot of people, this rumor started that was poisoned by, by the Japanese. So, so there's a, there's a, there's a, 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 by in 19, so in 1989, um, this is uh this is already in the People's Republic of China um, 1989 Huoyuanjia's remains were uh, excavated uh, to be moved to, to to other parts or other parts and and they did discover uh, black spots on Huoyuanjia's pelvic bones so they they so they believe the Tianjin police laboratory then confirmed uh, that they contain arsenic so, so but but you know so we so now we do know that Ars you know his, uh he was he had ingested arsenic but we we don't know whether it was caused by intentional poisoning or by uh you know prescriptional medicine because uh you know because in some traditional Chinese medicine that do contain uh contain uh components. Uh, that, that has arsenic trioxide. So so we don't know. But <clears throat> but this legend, that just add to the Hoyenja legend. I mean the Ho Yuanjia legend grew you know, even more after his death. You know, they're saying because the Japanese couldn't beat him, they, they poisoned. Him. And and which is very uh, normal at that time because this is nineteen ten, uh you know very soon uh, Japan will be made in China. So 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 it all kind of gets tied up in that era and the sentiment. So in uh in the fearless in the Jet Li movie, I think he concentrated on his um his fight with uh with a boxer, O'Brien. I don't know if they call him O'Brien. Uh I think that in the in the movie there was a Russian uh was a Russian guy and then there was a there was a British guy, British guy, um uh, I, 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 it's been a while since I watched the movie uh, but I I do I really love the Huo Yunjia TV series uh, uh, in 1980s which I watched um, as a little kid that's how I learned the Huo Yunjia story so I, I learned I learned that story first before I ever watched uh, Bruce Lee's kind of sort of a sequel uh, you know Fist of Fury um, so, so Fist of Fury is uh, to, I mean, the, the Fist of Fury is actually uh, a fictional account because the, the character of uh, Bruce Lee, Chen Zhen, uh, is a fictional character. But he was playing as a student of job. you know, coming back to learn that his master had been poisoned by the Japanese, and you know, and, and the, you know, it really drama dramatizes the story. The and the Japanese were sending the uh, the, the plaque. Back, uh, calling Ch- Ch- Chinese the sick men of Asia to their martial arts school, and that was that's what was prompted Bruce Lee to go to the go to the Judo Association and challenge the Japanese. Uh, great great movie <laughs> that that was like Fist of Fury. I think um, like Bruce Lee when he first when he left the United States and went to Hong Kong to pursue his uh, uh, film career. You know, he made a couple of movies that, that uh, made him successful, like "Tang San Da Ge." What's a, what's, a, what's a Chinese? Uh, what's the English uh, translation? Uh, but but Fist of Fury is really made is really what kind of uh, like a breakout rule, a breakout role for him. Like really made him big, not not just in Hong Kong but outside in you much wider world as well. It's like the the fighting scenes were great. I mean,
0: yeah,
1: uh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, In in the movie too. Go ahead, sorry.
1: No, no. uh, I I just wanted to say, uh, I mean, like the the Bruce Lee movie Fist of Fury is so great, such classic that there have been many remakes. Right? Um, There was there was remake uh, most famously by Jet Lee. Jet Lee also uh, remade the, the. I don't know what's a, what's a, um, what's a Jet Li movie called now? Like, I, I think maybe it has a different uh, English uh, title, uh, to distinguish, uh, uh, oh, oh, Fist of Legend. Fist of Legend. Okay. Yeah. 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 So, 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 so Fist of Legend by Jet Li is a remake of Bruce Lee's Fist of Fury. It, it's the same, it's the same story with the same characters, uh, but man, so good. <laughs> that was a good update. I I, I really love that movie as well. Um it was Fist of Legend was 1994 remake. But then you after, there was another remake by Dong Ni Yeah, I
0: was gonna uh, say that too. <laughs>
1: yes. And and dude, that movie was great, awesome. I mean, just watch all the all those remakes. <laughs> just watch all the Fist of Fury and all
0: the remakes. You can't go wrong. <laughs> yeah, so you know, in the Fist of Fury movie there was they get they kinda like like carried on the myth that uh, you know, the teacher was poisoned. I think Bruce Lee caught the person in the movie that killed his, his teacher and then killed him in the movie, you know? And um there was a scene in that movie where he's trying to go into the park or the zoo or something like that, and there is like this this like guard, it was like, no, he was like, hey, read that sign. It was like, no Chinese and no dogs allowed. Right? And then this Japanese guy was like, if you crawl like a dog, maybe they'll let you in. And then Bruce Lee like, beat the shit out of this dude. (laughs) And then kick the sign or, and then it, Busted it in the air, I will like, say, fuck yes. <laughs> yeah, but if so, we go ahead. So, this
1: is a famous, that's like the famous uh, legend, urban legend in China. Like, um, because at the time, as I mentioned, the, the Westerners and the Japanese, all the, all the imperialist power, gained this, uh, uh, what the, the privilege called concessions. You know, in, in Shanghai, parts of Shanghai was dipped up between the foreign powers. You know, so there was a the, the American and, and, and British concession was merged together to form the international settlement, but the the, the the French had their own concession, uh, the Japanese had their own concession, and the the legend was the the, the in the concession in the parks of Shanghai there will be a sign that says, uh, Chinese and dogs would not be uh, not allowed. Now the funny thing is uh, after 1990s. Um, I see a lot of foreign expats in China trying to debunk that, that that legend. They're trying to say, Oh, there was no never such sign posted in Shanghai Parks. But even even in this research, they admit the rule even even if not explicitly spelled out, but it was carried out in practice. Like at the time the Chinese were barred from going to the parks. Strongly encouraged, that's a word. <laughs> um because at the time the international settlement and uh the, the french concession and the japanese uh, concession they had their own police so you know they're not chinese police <laughs> so the the international settlement which was formed by joining together of the british concession and the american concession they would hire uh so the british imported Sikhs from india to act as a policeman to police uh, to police shanghai um um, uh, the 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 fun, funny thing is the the uh, so the, the the story goes that the, the Sikh policemen, the colonial Sikh policemen in Shanghai they will go insist everyone calling them sir um, and and so you know in, in Chinese uh, like they often add a ah in front so so they will call them ah uh, sir, uh, sir. Um, but later that become a, like a kind of derogatory term <laughs> because those colonial Sikh police were so, so hated in Shanghai that the officer author got, um, got transformed into Chinese as Asan. Um, so, so don't, don't, don't say that to don't don't use that word. That's a bad, word. <laughs> okay. but, but that became a derogatory term because back then the colonial uh, police were hated in Shanghai. Um, anyway, so, so then, then, um, uh, where? Sorry, I, I got lost.
0: <laughs> no, it's okay. No, I, I was just you know mentioning that oh. that scene itself is very powerful. It's to me, it's really wild that Chinese people like dealt with that kind of discrimination in China. You know, we have like yeah, like the same history here in the U.S., which is really similar. It's like no black people can use this water fountain, no Mexicans, only only whites water fountain, right? And that went <laughs> almost like globally when it comes to like um you know how people get get you know treated i think it was even in india where like certain people couldn't use a sidewalk right and i was like what the fuck like you know colonization is twisted you know
1: yeah yeah and and this is and in Shanghai like shang like i said shanghai was dipped up so there was a chinese section of the city you know it's like having chinatown in china right <laughs> it's like yeah. the chinese have to stay in the chinese section of the of shanghai the rest is like uh, controlled by the foreigners uh, and where they have to submit themselves to all these humili- humiliation and, and 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 uh humiliating rules i mean same thing was happening in hong kong at the time um you know the for for, for a long time the victoria peak the the, the, the the hills in Hong Kong was reserved for whites only, for the Europeans only. That's uh, The Chinese gross. were not allowed yeah. to buy houses on the Victoria Peak. And they did that because um, also... This is also around this time, about like 1900, because the local Chinese bourgeois in Hong Kong were getting wealthy. Um, then they, they could start buying expensive houses. And then um, at, at the time... There was a half Chinese tycoon, uh, Ho Tong. He rented a house from a Hong Kong judge, which is set at the peak, uh, very top, near very top of Victoria Peak. And the house was just one level above um then the Hong Kong colonial governor, right? So the Hong Kong colonial governor woke up one day and he's like, What the fuck? Why is this Chinese family, you know, living above me? That's unacceptable. So then they got together. Uh, you know the the, China, the the Hong Kong colonial governor then drafted a law called the Victoria Peak Ordinance to prohibit Chinese families from owning any house on Victoria Peak to preserve Victoria Peak for Europeans. So this, this was kind of the
0: oh my kind God. of the background that is so uh, fucking gross. Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. That, and, and this will actually tied to Bruce Lee as well because um, the, the the Chinese man that was that was buying. Um, was trying to buy on, on Victoria Peak was Ho Tong, and Ho Tong's brother, Ho Tong's brother is Bruce Lee's grandfather. So Ho Tong's brother, um, who who also has a lot of money at that time, he saw his big brother bought a bought a house in Victoria Peak. He he liked it, and he has money. He's, he's he was gonna buy a, buy a, you know buy a house to be close to his big brother. But the Hong Kong colonial governor put that rule to exclude Chinese from Victoria Peak specifically to keep Bruce Lee's grandfather from buying a house on Victoria Peak.
0: That's wild. <laughs> so,
1: yeah. Yeah. So this is all, all related. Um,
0: Wait, I do, I do, I do want to say, go ahead.
1: I wanted to mention you one more thing. So, I, I find out the Dalni Yen remake uh, uh, of uh, of the the Fist of Legend, Fist of Fury story uh, was uh, in twenty eleven called the Legend of the Fist, <laughs> Return <Huh>. of Tenzin, <laughs> Legend of the. It's also great. People should check it out. <laughs>
0: oh wait, is that the one where in the cover he's dressed like Kato or something like that?
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That, so, that, so yeah. The movie star actually he plays Tenzin as one of the. One of the Chinese labor who got sent to uh, France during World War One, right? Um, so the opening scene was um, these Chinese laborers who were working in the front. So this this part actually was based in actual history because in in the in during World War One, uh, Europe was running out of manpower, so they tried to get Chinese to join the Allies, trying to get Chinese to join the war against Germany. And, and the Chinese are like, well, that, that's not our war, you know, you guys fight among yourselves. But So the Americans that came to the Chinese, like, look, uh, if you join the war on the Allied side, we will let you have the German colony in China back. So at the time, China, Germany, after Boxer Rebellion, Germany gained a piece of colony in the Chinese city of Qingdao, Qingdao in the Shandong province. So um so Americans like okay if you join the war against Germany on our side we will let you have Qingdao back after the war. So so at that then the Chinese government agreed they will but instead of sending uh, sending troops they, they agreed to to have Chinese contract laborers to go to western front to you know do a lot of the, all the dirty works like clean like clean away bodies clean, like um washing tanks Digging trenches, all of the most dangerous work, and uh, at that time there were like quarter million Chinese went over uh, to Western Front, and another another like uh, two hundred thousand uh, Chinese went to Russia, uh, went went to Russia also working on the Eastern Front. It's all to contribute to the World War One effort, and, and most of them. Even though they don't see, they, they you know, they, 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 man factories where all the European men were fighting the front, but they also, um, like, you know, carry bodies uh, from the battlefield. They clean, clean up the bad body fields, um, ship ammunition to the front, uh, shipping artillery, like, digging trenches, all the most, like, clearing the mines the most dangerous stuff the Chinese did. So this is, this is a, the the Donnie Yen movie, the very, uh, the first maybe 10, uh, 5, 10 minutes was using that as historical backdrop. So he was in Europe, they were stabbed by um, a group of Germans. And so he, uh, You should people should watch, it's like Donnie Yen literally took a knife to gunfight and
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: took out the Germans it it's was, funny because
0: it I have yet to see that movie and it's like because I'm waiting you know I kind of wait sometimes because I have like some, several streaming services I'm always thinking maybe I should wait but I think I'm, I'll probably just buy it this weekend because I've been like delaying that but what you know what tripped me out is I saw like the cover of that movie and he said uh, Chin Zen but then he's wearing a Kato outfit and I was like did they mix two different Bruce Lee characters <laughs> <laughs> into one
1: I think that's intentional, right? I mean, it's because it's really, um, they're paying a homage to Bruce Lee. So so this is like, they did that intentionally to, to, you know, to to recall that Bruce Lee's legacy.
0: Yeah, I thought it was pretty cool. I also want to say that you actually, and I heard the the episode you released, I think it's part of the episode, you actually released an episode on Bruce Lee's heritage, which is this great-grandfather, you know, being... I think he's European or something like that, right? So. Oh yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. So I did a, uh, I did an episode. This is like I think 2019 about about Bruce Lee's uh, Bruce Lee's family history because his family history is like the colonial history of Hong Kong. Um, his uh, so so the man I mentioned earlier, the Ho uh he was wealthiest man in Hong Kong, and he was born. Um, well, the, the reason why I dwelt into it because I heard Bruce Lee has mixed heritage, so I thought, oh, where did that come from? So that's why I started digging around, um, and it turns out that Bruce Lee came from uh, from, from uh, Bruce Lee's mother came from like the the Hong Kong's most prominent Eurasian family. Uh, they're Eurasian because they're mixed uh, Chinese and European, um, and and the whole Tong because a lot of the europeans when they first came to um, so when they first came the europeans came to china to trade in in 19th century at that time you know the good uh, the the respectable chinese families would not let their daughter marry europeans right because at that time marriage was still Arranged, still arranged, arranged marriage, and, and no respectable Chinese family would let their their daughter to, to marry a European. Um, so the the Europeans, they the the start with Portuguese. Uh, they what they did is um, uh, at the time, not not even like prostitutes will take European customers. Uh, but the, except there was one class of people. Uh, in southern China, they're they're Tankas. They're called Tankas. They're, there's uh, some kind of they're sometimes they're referred to as boat people. Uh, and they, the the boat people they they themselves were being discriminated against in in the Chinese society at the time. Um, they were kind of seen as a, the bottom low of the low. And they uh, the tanka girls they are um, they're the only ones who would take on. Take on the Europeans, you know. So, so at the time, the Tonka girls will will ply, you know, sex trade in their boats, um, and the European sailors will visit them there. And that's why in Cantonese, uh, kind of the, the the term for prostitutes um, or, or sex workers is literally translated as salt water, salt water lady, a salt water girl, because at that time, the, that's how the the sex trade were, were being done on um, and then uh you know so so the kind of the Europeans and the Tonka I mean Bruce Lee's um so the kind of the great grandma uh, no no no, so not so so great great grandma of Bruce Lee uh, she was sold into she was she came from a poor very poor family and she was kind of sold to the to be like uh, into the, you know, into the kind of the sex trade very early on in her, uh, in her youth. And so she was became, you know, one of these uh, sex workers on the boat, I guess, to catering to the Europeans. But then she got, um, she became a so called protected woman. So protected women back then is like a mistress. She became a mistress to a, a Dutch Jewish trader uh uh name um well, i think i think his name is henry Boseman something something Boseman and and she had a series of children uh one of whom is uh, bruce lee's grandpa uh yeah yeah one one of whom is uh, bruce lee's grandpa and and uh, and, and and but she, her but the, this this dutch uh, uh dutch man Left Hong Kong, he, you know, he left Hong Kong. Um, like the, the the Dutch guy was in Hong Kong. Actually, his primary trade was to sell Chinese people into Dutch Guyana. He was selling the coolies to Dutch Guyana to what work the on sugar plantations because because at that time there was a um, abolition of slavery in South America. So they're now they're. They're, they don't have african slaves anymore so they they're trying to replace african slave with the indentured uh, servants from china called coolies so they would uh work with unscrupulous uh, chinese middlemen to lure uh poor peasant boys from guangdong uh to get on boats in hong kong and sold them abroad to work in like Different parts of European colonies, and this Dutch guy, his his job was to sell uh, Chinese coolie labor to Dutch Guyana. But eventually, the Qin Dynasty started to crack down on this trade, so he he left Hong Kong and married some American real estate tycoon's daughter in San Francisco, and then later went to went to England to be naturalized as a as a British citizen. So he he basically abandoned his mistress and. and and their children in Hong Kong, and um, and the eldest son Hou Tong, uh, uh he, or He Tong, yeah, Hou Tong, he um, he he actually test because he knows both English and Chinese. He tested into the, the custom, the, the 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 custom, the Chinese custom in Guangzhou, because at that time British controlled all the customs in China, <clears throat> as result the Opium Wars. Uh, British actually control all the customs in China. So British people are collecting tariffs on, <laughs> on overseas trade with China, right? So, so the uh, so Ho Tong was um uh, uh, made his money as a uh, as kind of middleman for so for the British trading firm Jardine Matheson, which originally started as an opium trader, uh, and. Uh, but then later, Ho, Ho- Tong, um, after he learned the trade, he realized he didn't need to work for the, the, the British anymore. He started his own trading firm with his brothers. Um, and, and one of the brother, one of his younger brother is uh, Bruce Lee's grandpa. But, but the, the, the curious fact though, what I find out was, the whole family, um, they're all mixed. Except for Bruce Lee's granddad, like Bruce Lee's granddad, dad is the only full Chinese, full blood Chinese. So, I'm like, how did that happen? Uh, so, apparently, at that time, the I guess the mistress was not exclusive to Henry Boseman. So, I think she had some Chinese, wealthy Chinese patrons as well, and that's how she fathered um, Bruce Lee's grandfather. Um, so, Bruce Lee's grandfather was actually full blooded Chinese. But then um, Bruce Lee's grandfather took up. You know, he had he was he was one of the wealthiest men in Hong Kong, and he um, he, had a lot, lot of <laughs> he had a lot of mistresses. He had lot he had like thirteen wives and concubines. Until his brother, his big brother Ho Tong, finally put the foot down. It's like okay, that's enough. Don't don't bring any more women to the family. You know, keep them outside the family. So he had a lot of mistresses, and he kept a, a mistress in Shanghai. Um, it was this, like, white Russian woman, you know, because, like, um, after the Bolshevik Revolution, uh, the, a lot of the Russians were fleeing the Bolsheviks, uh, you know, they're called the white white Russians, uh, as opposed to the red Russians. So the so white Russians that went to, not a white Russian went to Manchuria, and then eventually found their way to Shanghai. So there's a large uh, colony of white Russians in Shanghai at that time, and, uh, and, uh and, and Bruce Lee's grandfather had a white Russian mistress in Shanghai. Um, and then he made, um, you know, he couldn't bring her back to Hong Kong because his, his older brother, Ho Tong, was against it. So he made his, one of his other uh, uh, Eurasian mistress, uh, like a mixed mistress, to adopt his, uh, his children with a Russian mistress. Uh, he had two, two kids, like a, a, a boy and a, a daughter. Um, and and the one the one the daughter was Grace Ho became Grace Hull, uh, Bruce uh, Bruce Lee's mom. So, Bruce Lee's mom is mixed. Bruce Lee's mom is like half Chinese, half like European. Um, and and Bruce Lee himself is like a quarter European, I guess. So, so that, that 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 was a history I kind of did my research on. I have a question, uh, but yeah, go ahead.
0: Did you get any like feedback about your episode from? bruce lee's family <laughs> i'm just wondering did
1: they- uh, I, I think i have a couple of feeds back that it was interesting because back in 2019 i didn't have as sm- many subscribers <laughs> like so yeah so people listening to this go check out my early yeah. On bruce Lee's yeah <laughs> yeah that's why i brought it up yeah. because
0: because we're talking about movies and then I, re- I remembered you did it the episode on bruce lee's family and, and it was like a partial yeah. release because, you know, you want the full thing, you know, sign up to Patreon. Sign up to yep. Carl's Patreon <laughs> to listen to the yes, whole thing. Yes. So I think, yeah, it's pretty interesting. And um, I was like, this, this is pretty cool, man. And um, these these small things, you know, you, you're right. I mean, it, you know, his family history is, you know, ties in with the colonization of, of Hong Kong. And um, I do want to bring up I do. I do want to bring up two more movies, but the last one will be like real short. But the um, next one will be um, Hero, right? With Jet Li, another Jet Li wow. movie. Um yes. And I bring up Hero because um, is that story of Nameless a true story? Because I know he talks about the king as is um, that that okay. took over. Yeah. Go, you know. Go, yeah. Go ahead.
1: Okay. Yeah. So it's based on. Um, Assassination of the first emperor of China, Qin Shi Huang. So, at the time, uh, this is like two, uh, two twenty BC. Um, when China at the time was divided into seven <coughs> seven kingdoms, the real seven kingdoms, not the not the uh, Games of Thrones. Exactly.
0: Indians.
1: So, at the time, China was divided among most powerful like a power seven powerful kingdoms and Qing is one of the kingdoms uh to the west and but the Qing was growing in power so, so at the time Qing was poised to unify all all of China by swallowing up all uh, rest of six kingdoms. So one of the king, one of the prince, the crown prince of one of the six kingdoms, the Prince of Yan, he hired assassin to us uh, to, to kill the king of Qin, to prevent, you know, his kingdom getting swallowed. So this is, this part of the history is real. Um, it, 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 this, uh, this assassin he hired named Jing Ke is probably the most famous assassin in Chinese history. I mean, he came so close. He, 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 uh, uh, it, it was a great story in, in real life, in real history too, because he, uh, uh, like they just they 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 figure out how can they gl- get close to the king of Qing. right? So the prince of Yan say, okay, I know, I know. There was a Qin general, uh, who defected to the kingdom of Yan, who is a, uh, who who like uh, the king of Qing had a personal grudge against. Is that like look, let's go talk to him. Um. So the the they all went to see the the Qing, the former Qin general, and they say. Well, we're gonna assassinate King of Qin. We need to borrow something from you, um, and uh, the, the the general understood. He said, "Yeah, you want my head." <laughs> so he took out he took out his sword and, and cut his throat in front of them. And so they took out took the head of the the former Qin general as a gift to to the King of Qin, uh, and then they also with a map of the Yan Kingdom. So so. So the whole mission was diplomatic uh, cover. Was supposedly they, they're going to uh, offer submission to the kingdom. Uh, um, they're they're offering the kingdom of Yan <clears throat> submission to to kingdom of Qin, right? So that was that allowed them to be uh, <laughs> invited to the Qin palace. And and Jin Ke had an assistant uh, at the time. Actually, he 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 had a assistant who. Who was chosen because that that assistant was, killed a man when he was uh, a teenager? You know, like he didn't even bat a eye. So they thought, okay, he's a he's a tough guy. And that assistant was supposed to, um, you know, hold the map of Yan Kingdom, and a wrap inside the map was a dagger, was a weapon he was supposed to assassinate Qing With, uh, but the guy was so scared. You know, by the time they went to the Qin palace, because the the, chief, the, the Qing Palace had a big show with all the guards. And the guy, guy literally wet himself, and so Jing Ke had to take this upon himself. So he took the map. He he approached the King of Qin, says, "Let me show you the the, the kingdom you will you will uh, you will inherit." And then he slowly rolled the map in front of King of Qin. And as uh, as he was rolling them on further map uh like because he was about a completely on further map he took out the dagger and he started attacking the king king of Qin. so this is uh this is uh, like the most famous assassination story in China but but hero took that story and kind of turned it around uh, you know for people who, who watch the movie they will, they won't. Um, do you want to talk? Do you want to put in your
0: two cents here? Yeah, I think you know. Just um, well, there's several aspects of this movie. The, one, the first one is, you know, the martial arts is amazing. Um, I think the the Jet Li Donnie Yen fight where they're fighting, I guess, in within in their minds or something. I don't know. And it's just like, <laughs> I remember the first time watching that, I was like, holy shit. Um, and I think the story. Yo, wait! Wait!
1: Wait! You you have seen their fights in movie before, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I just really yeah. liked it. Was just two legends, Jet Li and Donnie Yen, fighting together in yeah. the movies it's, it's just their, legendary.
1: Their most famous fight before was uh, in the Once Upon a China Part Two, when Jet Li uh, when when Jet Li was playing the Cantonese hero Hong Fei Hong, and uh, and Donnie Yen was playing a Qing Dynasty official and and they had a had a big disagreement in the end they fought each other this is a it's an epic fight so so go watch once upon a time in china because yeah. that's another series that really propelled jet Li to start in yeah. in, in hong kong because hong uh, jet Li was already famous in mainland china after shaolin temple came out in 1982 but then in 19 late 1980s after he retired from the martial arts scene. He went to Hong Kong to pursue his film career. And you know, he made many good movies in Hong Kong. But but the move the breakout movie that really made it big was Once Upon a Time in China. And again, the Once Upon a Time in China series, the whole series is kind of set against the background of, of colonization, right? By by the by the Imperial Powers, the Western encroachment of China. It's a very um like, <laughs> it's a very patriotic film, actually. <laughs> and uh, that, yeah. I, I highly recommend. And, and, and if, if anything, watch uh, Once Upon a Time in China Part 2 for the epic fight between Jet Li and Dong Yan. Both are trained martial artists. Uh, it's, a, it's a feast for the eyes. Yeah, but okay, go ahead. Let's go back to Hero.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, so I, w- I want to ask, because I've seen... A uh, Jet Li movie where he is a Shaolin um, monk Is there other movies like that? Because I just saw it like a month ago I think it was on Netflix Is there, I don't know I don't sure because I'm looking at it online I'm not even sure if this is the same movie I watched um, God damn it So
1: Jet, Li, Jet Li's a breakout debut movie, Shaolin Temple, 1982 that's a Hong Kong co-mainland co- co-production, co- but after that, it was so successful. He made a whole series of sequels of Shaolin temple Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. so I don't know which one you watch.
0: <laughs> yeah, so I, I I watched. You know, yeah, I was um I think it was on uh, Amazon Prime. They have they had a crap ton of like a bunch of like chinese kung fu movies and i always watching them even the, the 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 gordon Liu movies you know and um oh yeah yeah so it, it, it's like i show my kids
1: gordon and, Liu, for people who don't know is uh he played a role in kill bill <laughs> yeah
0: yeah uh yeah. yeah exactly so you know I, I watch these movies and i think you well know, but going back to hero i think i think the just one part of the movie where you know uh what 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 happened was that he asked why like why he didn't kill the assassin you know what i'm saying what the 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 guy's wife asked why didn't you kill the assassin and he said he wrote something in the dirt it was like our land, and she was still mad at at him you know and uh it was like like the emperor was trying to unite them because there was constant fighting. You know, there's constant infighting within the kingdoms. And, you know, some people painting him as a, as a tyrant. Other people painting him as like, you know, like a unifier. And, you know, it was very like, I would I would imagine a Chinese patriotic movie. I, I could be wrong. I don't know. You know, correct me if I'm wrong. But, you know, you know, I, I show some people this movie and they were like, this is Chinese propaganda. I was like, oh, my God. Like, what the fuck? Enjoy the movie, <laughs> dude. Like, You know, like, like it, it's. But- Go ahead. It,
1: um it, it, I, I the, the hero is a reinterpretation of historical event. I mean he, he kind of turned the traditional narrative um, uh to, on its head and and the the you know the the uh, idea that um I mean because really the hero it, it centered the story on the assassin but it's really a story about the first emperor right I mean the, yeah. the, um the because the the first emperor of China is very controversial figure in China because in the traditional Confucianist narrative he is a tyrant. Uh, he was always presented as a tyrant, but uh, in but in the more modern era it, uh, there's just more different interpretations. I, I think it's also because of, as a result of the Western depredations of China after war when when people realize China needs to be reunited under a strong um a strong government right so so Mao actually also kicked off this revaluation of the first emperor of Qin he said yes you know Qin may be brutal but he made China into one right and, yeah. and he um so this the hero kind of followed that uh, historical reinterpretation you know like <laughs> Yes, yes, you know uh, the the Qing conquest was was very brutal but a- again so is the incessant incessant wars you know for like 500 years it's like there's a there's a whole period of Chinese history called the Warring States period before the Qin unification yeah. because it was constant wars among these different different states and different kingdoms um you know hundreds of thousands of people were getting killed and and the, the idea I think Hero is trying to convey by director Zhang Yimou is that you know um, it, you know the, the, the it, it's it's it, it's it's about sacrifice. It's about what you value the most, all right. And and, and his idea is that you know this it's kind of a um, it, it's a brutal war, but it's a, it's a war to end further bloodshed. Right. It's uh, this is this is necessary to achieve peace and stability. Um, I have a question. Uh, I, I will talk about my own interpretations uh, in my my in my chronological retelling of Chinese history on my own podcast. Uh, you know, Silk and Steel uh, Chinese History Series. I haven't reached there yet. I'm still on like 1064 BC, <laughs> at the end of Song Dynasty. But eventually, I will reach. Uh, the, the universalization of China by Qin and then I will I will give my own uh, I will give my own takes then <laughs>
0: yeah yeah I have a question about that movie or about the emperor was he the one that was buried and they can't open his tomb yes
1: yes, yes. So, okay. so there's a lot of legend associated with the uh, first because he built an elaborate tomb and the, the construction on his tomb started while he was alive that, that was actually the custom back then you know the emperor before before their death they're already planning their after afterlife and and it was a huge like you can see it in satellite pictures in the, their tomb, his whole tomb is like a whole... basically shaped like a mountain like almost like a pyramid um and and his tomb has never been uh, being opened and but the legend in the history book it was said his tomb was um they had they had uh, pearls, tons of pearls embedded on the ceiling to to uh, pearls and gems to, uh, embedded in the ceiling to to represent the stars and constellations. And they had rivers of mercury, uh, you know, through, to represent the rivers and and it, it, so so the, the to like a whole construction of a whole world inside his tomb. So. We, we didn't know, we didn't really know whether that the legend was true until the 1980s. The Chinese archaeologists did some uh, testing around the tomb site and they detect a very high level of mercury in the surrounding soil. So the legend is very likely true. Uh, what, we, what so far has been excavated is, is not his tomb, but the adjacent area to, the, to his tomb. The, the terracotta warriors. Yeah, going to ask that? Yeah. Yes, yeah. So the terracotta warriors are there are these life size, uh, ter- uh um, the life size clay made warriors who are made to represent his army, and each each face of the terracotta warriors are individualized to to model after the real life a real life Qin mm-hmm. soldier. Uh, so you know, people who, who visit Xi'an, the Terracotta Warrior Museum, they can go check it out. And the, these Terracotta Warriors are a lot like real life size; they're they're they're, they're huge, uh, and they're, each face is different because they're all modeled after each like real life person at the time. Uh, and the idea is that the, the Qing Qin Emperor will need, will take this army and conquer the afterworld.
0: <laughs> That's kind of cool, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that that's cool. You know, I, I've heard these stories, and I was like, "How cool is that, man?" Like, you know. But yeah, I heard the stories oh. about him being buried, or you know, like, you know, his tomb. Yeah,
1: Lee actually did a movie, uh, American Hollywood movie, Mummies Three. I think it was Mummies Three, where um, they went to China, and it was uh, they were trying to open. Uh, First Imper's tomb where with Jet Li playing the, the resurrected First Emperor.
0: <laughs> that was a horrible movie. I hated that movie. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah Hollywood a, a, anytime it gets imported over to Hollywood, it gets corrupted and it just sucks.
0: <laughs> yeah, man. I think just, the first just watch mummy the, yeah. the movie. <laughs> they should just stopped at the first mummy. I was like, What's going on? I'm like, why why the fuck are they fucking with a Chinese tomb? <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I, I heard yeah, I heard I read, you know, that uh, he was the whole rivers of Mercury's and the pearls and everything. It was how elaborate. Do they even want to open the tomb? I mean, I, w- I wouldn't want to open his tomb. I mean, you know, that's he he made that for a reason, you know, so. I yeah. don't know.
1: I, I think that's why, like right now, um, the the goal is just to preserve it as it is. I think like maybe in, in uh, when the technology is more developed, maybe they can't have um. They can send a probe in to, to just, like, take a picture or something. <laughs> take a picture and video, I mean. Yeah, because I know if they,
0: yeah, yeah, I agree with you. I totally, yeah. Because yeah. the whole, like, opening up dead people's tombs started with, like, colonization, especially here in the U.S. with, like, yeah. you know, Thomas Jefferson and him, like, um, unearthing Native American tombs, and he called that yeah. archaeology, and it was like, uh <laughs> you know? So, yeah. yeah.
1: No respect. Yeah, no, yeah, no respect. respect.
0: But, so the last movie I want to bring up is kind of like a, like a fun movie, not not so much histo- uh, historical, uh, is a Stephen Chow movie, Love on Delivery, right? <laughs> so I showed my kids this movie like a month ago and they loved it, right? And I think that one of the funniest, I, mean, I remember watching this movie as a kid, you know? And, um, it was, like, this scene where he, like, slipped and, like, his hand got pressed on shit on the street, you know? And then some some, some bully was, like, hey, you know, like, kind of, like, like rubbing, you know, uh, this dude's hands on his face, but his hand has shit on it, right? <laughs> it was, like, I remember watching this as a kid. And I was, like, this is so fucking gnarly. <laughs> like, what the fuck is happening? And it, it's just, like... I watched it recently, and I was like, "I'm gonna cosplay like that Garfield character," <laughs> but I can't find the mask. I can't find the mask. You know, so if anybody can find me that Garfield mask from that movie, please tell me.
2: <laughs>
1: well, that's that's actually one Steven Chow movie I haven't watched. What? Uh, but yeah, I like I like people. People in the West they most know Steven Chow for like Shaolin Soccer and and Shanghai Hustle, right? And uh, uh, uh and and but but the there, there's there's a, a kung fu hustle. Sorry, Shaolin, uh, Soccer and kung fu hustle. Um, and, and maybe the more recent one, they the, the the his his directed movie, The Journey to the West, Conquering Demons. Uh, but the 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 movie that um like for me that was um really good movie uh like he did as an actor was um uh so in nineteen ninety in so in nineteen ninety 1990, around nineteen ninety two um like oh oh yeah yeah, yeah. There, there's um there's a tons of stephen chow movies. Back, back start from his filmography in nineteen ninety those, those are the greatest you know, from Beijing with love is like a like a a, a parody of Double Seven. It's a parody of James Bond movie. Yeah, um, which is great. And then the, 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 then the, he redirects. He's trying to start his own film company uh, in 1995, and he did um he did a reinterpretation of Journey to the West story. Uh, called the, a Chinese Odyssey. So it was so long, so he made it into two parts: a Chinese Odyssey Part One, Pandora's Box. And Chinese Odyssey Part Two Cinderella, so those two movies became classic on mainland China because they um, uh, a lot of a lot they they a lot of because that came out right around when the uh, was the internet age. So a lot of the mainland Chinese youth saw watch on pirated copies on the internet, um, and then it became like a yeah like like all most all Chinese people from that era they would uh, <laughs> they would know <laughs> like it's a it's a, such a classic movie I highly recommend it. it's not well known in the West um, so but, but I think they're on Netflix and and, and probably Amazon uh, primes as well yeah you... a Chinese go ahead go ahead
0: no, yeah, I was going to say, like, they usually, like, on the, uh, here in American streaming services, there's, like, the Shaolin Soccer, the Kung Fu Hustle, but not really that, you know. I, I was surprised when I saw Love on Delivery on Netflix. Like, I really was. I was like, holy shit, like, they have this, you know? Um, but I think Amazon has more, like I said, like I said, more old school Chinese movie stuff than, than Netflix. They, I think Amazon has a lot of Russian stuff, too. So, like, yeah, it's...
1: I- I think that was actually good, you know, the internet age. Now we get more uh, movies straight straight from Asia. Because before, we just get Weinstein Brothers importing Western uh, Chinese film, and they fucking chop up, like, do some really weird editing, and then, like, holy screw—or they do, like, really stupid remakes. I mean, not not to mention the Weinstein themselves are fucked up rapists, but— yeah like like so I'm glad we're now getting just straight up Asian films subbed or subbed into English
0: it's great yeah, you, should do, you should do an episode about them because that Weinstein Brothers like intro is super famous you know <laughs> like a little WB intro in, in the beginning of Kung Fu movies also there's a documentary on Netflix about the influence of uh, Kung Fu movies on on black culture and like, you know, the, uh, the breakdancing and all that stuff. So I think, let me see, I think it's like, um, Wu-Tang Clan. <laughs> yeah. The Wu-Tang, yeah they, they were in it too. Yeah. How like, you know, they were imitating Kung Fu moves and that was like the early stages of breakdancing. So like, you know, Chinese cinema does have like a long standing influence within American culture, you know? And
1: oh, th- yeah. Speaking of which, I, I I was supposed to do a do a um, uh, do a, a, a episode with uh with uh, um, with Andre uh, <laughs> with Andre uh, he he goes by the moniker Q Anthony F A K Andre Dom Domise, uh, on on the on, on kung fu movies also because <laughs> he loves Drunken Master yeah too, and. Uh, and uh, yeah, yeah, because yeah. because the, the the kung fu movies were hugely popular among uh, African Americans and also among Africans in Africa as well. Yeah, so it's like it's it's, uh, it's, it's great.
0: Yeah, so it's the, great. The, the documentary is called Iron Fist and Kung Fu Kicks. So you want to go on Netflix and check it out. You know, anybody's listening, it's it's a really good documentary. Um, yeah. So um, do do you have any movies? That you would want rec- recommend before we end this episode? Um,
1: well, I, I you know besides a Stephen Chow movie I already recommended. Oh, the the, the Stephen Chow, um, uh, his, uh, he the the movie he directed in. Um, so now he's he's more a director. He doesn't much acting anymore. Uh, he he's the movie he directed, the twenty thirteen Journey to the West, Conquering Demons, is also a pretty another like um like you interpretation of the journey to the west story so I, I i it's more more of a horror movie uh it has more horror movement than than comedy but it's still really really funny um and uh, let's see what else um yeah man just watch all the stephen chow
0: movies <laughs> yeah you, you know you know and go ahead
1: uh, and they're, they're not necessarily kung fu movies but they're, they're just so funny they're funny as, as shit yeah they and, are. Uh, and and watch all the old jet Li movies from like um from, 90, from um from 90s uh like the, the the ones i can recommend is uh the Wong Fui Hong or, or uh once upon a time in china series yeah. the, the first appear is really good you know, they, they made a whole bunch of sequels. Like, the later ones were not so 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 good. But the, the first three uh, movies of uh, Once Upon a Time in China and then um then there was a movie called Swords uh, Swordsman Two. Swordsman number no. two by, by Jet Li. That's really good. Um uh yeah, yeah, yeah. And and there were some um Actually, Swordsman One is pretty good too, but that's not even uh, that's not even Jet, with Jet Li in it. Uh, but 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 you can just just uh, watch all the early Shaolin Temple movies. Oh, he did Shaolin Temple One, Two, and Three. <laughs> so so that's yeah that's in the 1980s. And what so watch his Jet Li Shaolin Temple series, one her Time in China series. Uh, watch his Fist of Legend uh watched his feng Sa Yak Hung Yak um she's sometimes in English is translated into the legend of uh, or just the legend what, what is that chinese, uh, chinese movie what
2: right?
1: is that bruce American.
0: lee yeah what is that bruce lee movie where he fought chuck chuck norris
1: there are too many <laughs>
0: no there's just one there's one movie where he fought chuck norris bruce lee
1: yeah there was one he fought chuck norris in the colosseum in rome yeah I, I forgot the name. I uh, look it up real just, quick. Just look it up. I mean, just use Google, guys. Yeah, I'm like, using Google that, right now. That, yeah. <laughs> watch the original Fist of Fury. Uh, you know, if you haven't seen it already, and uh, and and Donnie Yen. You know, I I recommend. You know, Downey Yen has been making some good movies uh, uh, in recent recent years. So he's um oh Wu Jing, and Downey Yen and Wu Jing fight in uh la which is uh, which kind sometimes translated into kill zone hmm. um yes uh, uh SPL just SPL. downey yen a uh, 2006 SPL uh sappola movie that's that's really good um watch his fight with jet Li. once upon a time in China number two which I already had read. oh bodyguard assassin in 2010 um that that's really good movie. The, the Bodyguard, Bodyguard's Assassin was about uh, assassination attempt on Son yat in, in Hong Kong. Uh, of course, watch Eat Man. His Eat Man series. Yes. Right? Like, uh, <laughs> watch his. Uh, 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 yeah, definitely watch that. That Legend of the Fist, The Return of Tenzin. Yeah, that, I'm, gonna do, I'm gonna watch that, that, that this
0: weekend. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I have yeah, to. Exactly. No, and,
1: but uh, oh, dra- um. Uh, yeah, yeah. along the Iron Monkey. Iron Monkey is one of the old old nineteen ninety three movie with Donnie Yen. That that's kind of the 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 movie that made um made Donnie Yen like uh, kind of his 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 film debut. that made him famous. So so two thousand. I that. Yeah. yeah. All right. <laughs> I think that that should keep people. Yeah, keep people alive. So that
0: Bruce Lee movie where he fought Chuck Norris is called Way Way of the Dragon. I love that movie too, so yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think before we know, before we head out, you know, in this episode, you know, I started this, you know, Chinese history, a series with you, Carl. Even you know, it started way before COVID, and you know, I started because I saw the tensions between you know the the racist comments of you know in the West heading towards China, and you know the Cold War you know rhetoric that was happening within the government and then COVID hits and then, you know, we, you know, I was like, I hope people are listening and I hope people are, you know, learning that, you know, this rhetoric is is fucking garbage. And then recently this week we had a, a, a dude kill six Asian women, you know, in Atlanta and all because, you know, it's, it's growing tensions. You know, I have family members that are Chinese and, you know, they're like, what the fuck? And it's, you know, we, we have old, Chinese people walking down the street and they're getting like punched, you know, knocked over, or whatever, in the U.S. And it, it's going back. It's going back to like, like, you know, when you know Chinese people migrated here and you know, um, build the railroads and then they they were discriminated too, you know, at that time. And it's like it's like a never ending. You know yep. discrimination from that time, the 1800s to now. I mean, yep. colonization itself is you know you're gonna you know, see go discrimin- uh, discrimination. But I think I hope people when they listen to these series, they know that, and they start to understand that there is a connection between us Native people here and what you know the the issues that Chinese people are dealing with. It's not separate, man. You know, it's really, yeah. it, to me, it's really fucking disgusting that, you know, I see not just white people, just any, any type of American, any color, you know, especially during COVID, like, be racist against Chinese, saying racist shit, like, they eat bats or whatever, like, I was raised, you know, by a Chinese stepfather, I never ate a fucking bat, you know, and to me, to me, we talked about this already on, on, you know, on this podcast about COVID and that story about the bad video. But I think, you know, people just, I, you know, please like chill the fuck out, learn from, you know, have a connection, like build a relationship with your Chinese neighbors, your Chinese, you know, business owners, you know, in, in your neighborhood. Don't, don't discriminate, dude. Come on.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's, this is uh, unfortunately, you know, the the racism is in, in built in into the American system, as you well know. Um, just as the the white settlers are killing Native people in 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 United States, in 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 1871 we have the Chinese massacre in Los Angeles and the Rock Spring massacre uh, in 1885 against the Chinese miners. These are like very uh, long. Some of the worst racial violence in United States and killing lynchings, uh, you know, like when when uh, when uh, you know more than twenty Chinese people were getting killed on the streets of LA. This this is this is part of the U.S. history that that has never really, uh, you know, you, you kind of get buried in the history, you know, and and but, but that, that that part that racism just got. It, it never went away you know like it all the, all the political correctness just kind of kind of put it drive it on the ground but they it's, it's always there and and one, i think one of the reason is um you know people think there's no consequences you know like the uh, and all the media denigration of 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 Asians or their dismissals of even anti-Asian racism, just provide a more permissive environment for people to be racist toward Asian, because that, like, like now people have learned that, oh, you know, you can't, you can't say a certain, you can't say the N word, you can't, you can't um, say, say certain things in public. Right. But they don't, they, they feel, um, they don't, they <laughs> They, they they don't feel the same compunction about making Asian racist jokes, right? Like, cause that for them, there's no consequences. It, it's 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 like it's like it's not like U S has gone less racist. It's more like now, um, they you know people have been taught you know there will be consequences if you if you act uh, openly racist against certain group of people. You will be you will be canceled. Right? You will be canceled. Whereas whereas you know they can still reserve their rights to be racist to other groups of people like the Asians. <laughs> it's ridiculous. But yeah, I, am I'm, I'm glad that like, uh, I actually just did another podcast uh, with, uh, uh, Daniel D'Aubrio and, uh, one of the other prolific, uh, Twitter, uh, person uh, Asian who goes by Asian American NPC. We, we did a podcast together on this issue. Uh, I, I highly recommend people to give it a lesson. Um yeah, yeah, we we we, we do all we go in depth on, on this on this uh um, US history of imperialism and anti Asian racism. Everything goes together. Like Okay uh, Yeah, yeah like I I want to listen to that
0: too. Yeah. Daniel's pretty good. I, I follow him on YouTube, so yeah.
1: yeah. It's gonna come out soon, so so keep an eye out for that.
0: Okay, well thank you for coming on. Don't hang up. <laughs> like always you know but um yeah thank you and i hope people listening you know go watch some movies and you know enjoy yourself and this you won't you won't be disappointed by chinese cinema it's it's just even the old stuff like it's just so amazing and the stories and in the martial arts and the action you know and everything in it it's just you know like I I, I'm glad I was raised in that environment and I'm raising my kids, you know, in that environment. So thank you, Carl. Thank you.
1: Thank you.